BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car in Carvana first. Oh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do is answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Head in store and shop for all your favorite personal care essentials to earn four times rewards points. Shop for products from Olay, Always, Gillette, Vicks, and Crest. Plus, check out new items like Mr. Clean Magic Eraser Ultra Thick Multi-Surface Cleaner. No more sponges or other cleaning products needed. And Head & Shoulders Bare Soothing Hydration Shampoo, a new kind of anti-dandruff shampoo with only nine ingredients. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. Hey, it's Will Friedel. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up. Or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl... She got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE or go to timesharejesse.com. Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. I love Europe. 
Now not in the... I've went backpacking through, through the Alps. Sipping on luxurious wines and cheeses. Not in that kind of way. I'm sure that's fine. As you know, I've been once. Probably be about another five years before I go again. <laughs> that was expensive, Chris. You know what really gets you is the, the flight. Golly. Yes, Chris. Now, not for you maybe, but I I have to fly either the comfort seating with the extended legs or business class because I don't fit in the seats. Whatever. We're not going in there. It's, I love the history of it. I love the conflict there. And I enjoy these rivalries that sometimes get blown so far out of proportion and the mistrust. And it's just, it's like the history of Europe, especially for about the past thousand years, is just one gigantic soap opera after another. It is. This guy's excommunicated. This the, this daughter's marrying that king, and they have an alliance. Uh-oh, someone got screwed over. Now they're enemies. Oh, we're bringing him him. He's an enemy now. It's, it's a disaster. It's a total disaster, and I love it. I find it fascinating. There is a reason George Washington, don't get excited. We're not doing Washington today. But there's a reason George Washington so famously wrote in his farewell address, to stay out of Europe's wars. He was emphatic about it. He essentially said in his Washington way, they're always fighting about something. We're not getting involved. Period. Your problem. There's always going to be another one coming. And while I say fascinating, it also results in some really horrific things. Really, really horrific things. Everybody's thinking I'm talking about World War II right now. I'm actually talking more about World War I, which was the the beginning of, oh, man, we can kill a lot of people really quickly here. And when you dig into the reasons behind World War I, leading up to the Battle of the Marne, which we'll talk about a little today with France turning back Germany, and how it all laid out and why it went the way it went. It is just, it looks so stupid. Do you ever think about that when you look at the history of things and why this argument and this rivalry and this war and this battle happened was just some idiot's pride over something? Nobody could sit down, talk it out. We're talking... Death on an unimaginable scale, and nobody could just sit down and talk this out? Now, you have to understand the situation on the ground. In the late 1800s, there was the Franco-Prussian War. That's going to matter. Understand that that's going to matter a lot. It's the 1870s, so just that's, that's the time frame. In France... And Germany went at it. Now, at that time, France still had an emperor. His name was actually Napoleon, Napoleon III. No, different Napoleon. Don't get excited. They still had an emperor, so that tells you what kind of government we're dealing with here. And that's going to come into play a little bit into our story today. But they have it out. They have a Franco-Prussian war. Germany, at that point in time... 
they were kind of a bunch of different territories, all the same place, but kind of different places. Oh, we better join together. But Germany was very much on the rise, very much on the rise. And this continued after the Franco-Prussian War. They had outstanding education levels, engineers. The products they put out were dynamite. They were cranking out big families. And you can roll your eyes at that all you want. I don't know your situation. It's not important to the story. But historically, when a nation is cranking out big families, that means very, very good things for that nation in general. You're creating more kids, more kids raised by two parents. Kids raised by two parents turn out to be productive adults. So if I'm churning out 100 productive new adults a year and you're churning out 20 new productive adults a year, which one of us is going to end up in a better situation? It mattered a lot. The Germans were getting married and they were taking care of business, Chris, right? (laughs) What? Whatever. It mattered. France... Germany, they go at it in the Franco-Prussian War. Germany beats the living crap out of France in this war. And I mean, pummels them. Goodbye, Emperor. Hello, Germany. Hello, Alsace. Hello, Lorraine. Two territories, extremely, extremely profitable territories are now part of Germany. I'm not going to get into this. If you're German, don't write me and say they were always ours. I'm only dealing with the current time frame. I understand there's a conflict over every piece of ground in that godforsaken continent. I get it. I get it. But post-Franco-Prussian War, Germany owns that now. But maybe more than anything else... It wasn't the loss of Alsace and Lorraine that really wounded France. It was the butt whipping. France is easy to make fun of now. You've made a thousand French jokes in your life. So have I. You have. You know, the the French tank, only one gear forward and eight gears in reverse. Buy your French army rifle now. Never fired, only dropped once. You know, you've heard all of them. I love them as much as you love them. Believe me, I do. It's hilarious, especially because French people are notoriously snobby and uppity. However, in fairness to France, before the Battle of France in World War II, which they really should have won. I mean, they do deserve to get mocked for that. Prior to that, and prior especially to the Franco-Prussian War, there's not a country on earth that probably boasted a better military tradition than France. They were really, really good and powerful for a long time and had these incredible victories. And France was a proud nation and proud of that, as they should be. And we are France. And who's this young upstart Germany? All right, Germany, you want to start something? What, Prussia? Same thing. You want to start something? Let's do it. And then Prussia just beats the crap out of you. Germany was, at this point, the young, still very hungry prize fighter living in his basement, doing push-ups all day long. France 
was the old rich fat champion driving Lamborghinis around and eating grapes with Swedish bikini models. One of you is getting harder and more ready for the next fight and the other one's getting soft. You've seen Rocky three, right? Where, where, where Rocky takes on, who was the guy? Clubber Lang, Clubber, the Mr. T. And there's that great montage and it's, it was a great montage because it was so true. Rocky's eating caviar and steaks and Clubber Lang's in some dungeon doing pull-ups right before Rocky got his head caved in. That's the situation. Germany steps up. Germany beats France. France is now pride wounded badly, badly. On top of this, Germany, through combat as well, had really taken the Austria-Hungary thing and welcomed them into their sphere. Now you're France. Now you're, you were worried about the young upstart. You fought with the young upstart. You lost badly to the young upstart. And now the young upstart has a friend. Got to do something about that. know you're going to have auto repairs, right? I am not wishing that on you. Believe me, as you've heard me whining about on the radio, I'm going through it as we speak. It's awful. It's awful. And, and it's obviously a lot more than just the time it takes. It's the cost. I, I was just complaining to producer Chris about it. I had a vacation fund. You know, we're setting aside that thing so many people do, setting aside a little money every single month. Saving up to take a vacation. Yeah, that vacation fund is going to be gone now. Auto repairs are expensive. Go to carshield.com and get a customizable protection plan for you so you don't get financially crushed. Carshield.com. Use the code JESSE because that saves you 10%. Carshield.com. And remember this, a deductible may apply. Carshield.com. Jesse Kelly returns next. You're France, the new kid on the block just slapped you around, and now the new kid on the block is acquiring friends. It's starting to get uncomfortable. And it's not as if things were real peaceful after the Franco-Prussian War. Constant war scares. And constant tension when it comes to colonies. Remember how young Germany is at this point. France has been around a long time. France has colonies everywhere. Basically all of Northern Africa is France. You already know about Algiers, Vietnam. We've discussed these things before. Don't worry if you missed it. We'll discuss them again. But France, Britain, all over the world. Got all kinds of places. Germany? What's left for us? Germany wants to flex some muscle too. Germany's starting to feel it. You know, eventually that young, 
hungry fighter, he's going to look around and think, well, wait a minute. I've been working hard. I'm tougher than everyone else. I think I'm going to fight somebody. So Germany was being aggressive, but I don't want to act like they were belligerent. And I don't want to act like France was some kind of, you know, calm down mediator in this whole thing. France is taking every opportunity they can to poke Germany in the ribs. But France needs an ally. And this is, I mean, you can find a million moments leading up to World War I that, that really caused it. And I, I mean, honestly, you could go over all of it, all of history pretty much. But this was the moment that I usually come back to when France went and got Russia and said, should we, should we get along? Should we be friends now? And Russia said, yep. And just in case you're not aware of the situation geographically, allow me to do this. And this is a way over for simplification, but here's what I want you to do. Picture three squares sitting side by side on your desk. The one on the left is France. The one on the middle is Germany. The one on the right is Russia. Are you seeing why Germany might be a little bit apprehensive about Russia and France deciding they're on the same team? I can create some problems for you, right? And because there were so many war scares at this time. That's right, Chris. Very much like Poland. Yeah. Now, the difference between, I will say, the difference between Poland and Germany at this time is Germany right now has the strongest army in the world, almost undoubtedly the strongest land army in the world. But not only is France allied with Russia, they're doing certain things for Russia, like giving them large financial loans to pay for rail lines to come from Russia to the German border. Do you think that would bother you if you were Germany? So wait a minute, you're not only allies, you're essentially paving an army superhighway to get them to my opposite border even faster. We got tensions. We got big time tensions. Russia, I'm not even going to go into them today. They had all kinds of their own problems leading up to this as well. You have a czar Tsar Nicholas, the one who was eventually ousted in the commie revolution. You have a czar who's losing a grip on a very divided country full of unrest. It's just, it's, it's ugly. And keep in mind, as any leader in the history of the world knows, not even going to point any fingers right now, but it is a fact if you're losing a handle on your nation, whether you're a king, president, dictator, whatever you are, if you're unpopular, losing a handle on things, there's nothing that can help you gain popularity more than going to war and winning a war. Wars are what nations do, and winning them fills people up with national pride. Losing them, however, fills people up with national shame. You, an American, probably have no idea what that feels like unless you're very aware of what it was like post-Vietnam. I am not. I was not there. But I hear to this day there was a real feeling of shame there, an ucky feeling, an icky feeling. 
not going to be like, oh, we lost, but we certainly didn't win. And we were used to always winning, undefeated up to there. So that was a rough one. Now, you know about the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand. We've done it before. We'll do it again. Don't worry one day. But before we get to the actual spark that kicked off the war, let's go to what France and Germany are actually planning. You see, they're not sitting around right now angry, sending off nasty emails with the, with the good old-fashioned passive-aggressive please advise at the end of all of them. They're not doing that. What they are doing, though, is actively planning on fighting each other again. That's why so many say this war was inevitable. Germany had a plan called the the von Schlieffen plan, named after, obviously, a guy, Count von, von Schlieffen, and their plan was an invasion plan of France. It was a plan to fight France and fight Russia. We'll come back to that in a second. France had a plan, too. France's plan was called Plan 17, and it was to take on Germany. It was called 17. Don't look at me like that, Chris. It was called, I wish I had a great explanation for you. It's called Plan 17 because it was the 17th plan they came up with. I'm not making that up. I know. <laughs> I actually, as soon as I found out that was the plan, I'm like, oh, I got to find out why. Was this was this named after, you know, Louis the 17th or something? like? No, it's just, this was this was version 17 of the plan. I know, Schlieffen plan at least sounds cool. Now, the German plan, the von Schlieffen plan, they felt they had to come up with it because, one, they felt war was inevitable, and two, they were very concerned about taking on France and Russia. You can't fight a two-front war, certainly not for an extended period of time. So Germany had a plan. The plan was ripped up and revised a thousand times, but the basics of the plan remain this. And I am sorry for giving you so much geography. You know I've already given you one. I'm about to give you two. I'll try to make that the last of them. You know I don't like to do that, but it actually matters a lot for our story. All right, remember the two squares? France is the left square. Germany's the middle square, and they're touching each other. That's mostly true. But at the very tippy top of that square, you have two tiny little countries called Luxembourg and Belgium. You see, France and Germany share this long border, except that the tippy, tippy top, Luxembourg and Belgium perform a nice, they, they form a nice little layer of peanut butter and jelly between the slices of France and Germany. Understand where I'm going here? And France, in anticipation of a possible or likely German attack, France built mass fortifications along the German-French border. Forts, big ones, powerful ones. Troops everywhere. You want to talk about built to withstand an attack? They were built to withstand an attack. They did not make such plans along the French-Belgium border because why would you? Belgium is an ally. You're not exactly worried about tiny Belgium invading with a bunch of waffles. I'll quit. We can make jokes. The Schlieffen plan, it was bold. 
It's been historically trashed by people everywhere. I like it, but you can make your own judgments. The Schlieffen plan involved maybe maybe some diplomatic faux pas. Hang on. Home title theft is storming this country right now, and the Federal Bureau of Investigation can't stop it. That, that was the part that really hit me. You see, when it happened to me, when they, they showed me my home title that had been hacked and they forged my signature on it, 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 it stunned me. And then when they informed me, oh, the FBI is gravely concerned about this because they haven't figured out how to stop it, that's what really got me. And cybercrime, it's up 75% since all this lockdown stuff happened. These cyber criminals have never had it so good. We have to put a stop to it because no one else can. Home Title Lock can save you. Go sign up today. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Do not forget to use the promo code RADIO. That gets you 30 days for free. So, the Schlieffen plan, on paper, I think it looks really good. I know, if you're familiar with it, you're yelling right now. Because it's kind of a cold-hearted plan, which is probably why I'm okay with it, and most of you who have morals and a soul are not okay with it. But the Schlieffen plan was simply this. A plan to take on France and Russia, defeat them both, while avoiding avoiding the massive fortifications along the France-Germany border. Well, there's only one place you can get into France while avoiding those fortifications along the France-Germany border. You got to go through Luxembourg and Belgium who are very much neutral countries. You have no issue with them whatsoever if you're Germany. You can't even, I mean, you you have so few issues with them, they didn't even bother lying and acting like, well, I mean, he offended me. It was just, so that's not good. And, which really turned out poorly for Germany, Belgium had a signed deal with Britain that Britain would protect them. Britain and France were not pals at this point at all. I know you're going to find this shocking, but Britain and France kind of didn't like each other. I know, it's wild, Chris. Most, probably first time in history. I don't know. I haven't read up on it. The Schlieffen plan involved sending 10% of the German forces and only 10% of the German forces east to the Russian border in anticipation that it would take Russia a long time, as it always does, to get themselves going. In the meantime, you amass 90% of your forces on the western border 
You send enough troops to the fortified France border to keep them occupied while really sending your huge invasion force up through that tiny little peanut butter and jelly in the north, Luxembourg and Belgium. You storm through there and blow into France before they know what's happening, before they can stop it. Like I said, it's a really cool plan. There are complications, though, which we will go over in just a minute. It kind of it kind of goes poorly. Let's focus on the lesser known of the two plans, the French Plan 71. This is the, fr- or 17, not 71, French Plan 17. Maybe I'm turning dyslexic. Can you turn dyslexic, Chris, or you are or you aren't? I don't think you can, right? I mean, I guess with enough grain alcohol, you can turn into anything. What? Anyway. The French Plan 17 was a plan to counter a German invasion. And this plan is equally as insane and stupid. And in fact, I think it's just crazy talk. It's it's insane in that it doesn't take account at all for the changes in weaponry and how could you be so stupid as to not account for the changes in weaponry. Essentially, France, in large part because of its wounded pride from that Franco-Prussian war, France didn't want to just sit back and let the Germans come to them, which in general is the very smart move if you're dug in and fortified. If you're dug in and fortified, let them come. Be patient. Be calm. But your France, your pride has been wounded. The French plan involved essentially, to to make this a real oversimplification, charge. Just charge right at them, and we are France, and we're going to fight them off. Okay, maybe, maybe that plan is workable when you created the plan, you know, post-Franco-Prussian War. Um, that plan becomes national suicide after the 1890s when there are two gigantic weapons advancements on the world stage, one of them being the machine gun. The original one was really called the Maxim gun. It was an American invention eventually bought, I believe, by a British company. So the Brits incorporated into their army. It was a water-cooled, not air-cooled gun that could fire 600 rounds a minute. Remember, prior to this, we're either dealing with muzzle loaders or they had advanced to, you know, five-shot single, five-shot rifles. 600 rounds a minute is not something any general on or on earth had been trained to deal with or employ at all. Even though they knew it was there, they had employed it on some African tribes the Brits had, but they didn't even really grasp its its destructive capabilities yet. That's one, two, I'm going to say artillery, but understand, artillery had been around forever. The cannons are artillery. There was, however, a gigantic, game-changing artillery advancement that you will see to this day. 
You see, when you fire a weapon, here's what happens. You load an explosive something into a barrel and you fire an explosion off behind that something which launches that something out of the barrel. However, laws of physics being what they are, it forces that weapon backwards, doesn't it? Recoil, a weapon recoil. None of this stuff is news for you. Now, how do you lower the recoil of a weapon? If I'm firing a gigantic shell or a tiny shell and I don't like the recoil, what's a way, the ultimate way you reduce the recoil? You increase the weight of the weapon itself. It deadens that recoil. It absorbs it. Now, that's fine if we're talking about the shotgun you go shoot pheasants with. When we're dealing with these new, hugely upgraded artillery shells, you're having to put so much weight on the weapon, you can't get it around. But they came up with an invention. Hydraulics. If you've ever seen artillery fired in a documentary or a movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about now. You know how the weapon is stationary and you'll essentially see just the back end of the barrel shoot back and then hydraulics will push it back forward. That was created at this time, allowing you to mobilize your artillery a lot easier and have your artillery a lot more transportable than it was before. Now, let's talk briefly. I don't want to nerd out on you too much here, but it did matter a lot about how the countries approached these things. They all gathered up machine guns on various, I mean, to various degrees, but they all gathered up machine guns. France was all about smaller artillery. They were called 75s. More easily transportable, obviously didn't have the range, Didn't have the ability for indirect fire, really. Germany, just like they did in the Franco-Prussian War, Germany advanced way past France when it comes to the new technology out there. 75s? Ha! Let's start jacking that into the two or three hundred range. Let's find weapons we can fire from behind mountains over the mountain and landing down on you where you can't land on us. The Germans created artillery pieces, some of them that had to be transported by train and assembled where they are and would fire a shell the size of a car. Hang on. just saw the market news, didn't you? I know you did. I've been telling you. All the warning signs are there. You don't have to be J.P. Morgan to know all the warning signs are there. When you're printing trillions in unbacked currency, running up debts and deficits like nobody's ever seen, and combining that with business closures... And still millions unemployed, that story ends one way 
And only one way you know what it is. So just be safe. Go to goldalliance.com slash jesse and get a gold IRA. You know you can diversify a portion of your retirement with a gold IRA without penalties or tax consequences? That's what I call intelligence. Goldalliance.com slash jesse. That's goldalliance.com slash jesse. Go there now. So, it's getting complicated, right? Plan 17 doesn't look good for France. France probably is a little too aggressive with their plans. Way too aggressive with their plans. But in the defense of everybody here, if you have to defend everyone here, remember. These are all, all the guys coming up with these plans. They're all old men. Shoot, especially Germany. The Germans were all in their 70s. Old generals. France's people were in their 60s and 70s. They had lived entire lives, fought many wars, war college here, war gaming there. But everything had changed. Everything had changed. How does the deployment of my hundred men versus your hundred men change when we all had trained with muskets or five-shot rifles and now I have machine guns? Um, It changes everything. Everything. And so it's hard to change with it. And how does my deployment of troops how, do, how does my defense strategy change when you now have artillery pieces that can fire into the air, they can calculate the curvature of the earth, and you can land your artillery piece on top of a dug-in fort and have the shell bury into the ground before it explodes? It changes everything. Everything. And when I say everything, what was a fort? How many battles throughout ancient history have we talked about a walled city or a fort? Why don't you think you see those anymore? Because of this time period right here, right now, the entire history of the world, you got behind walls and barriers and protected yourself. Now, oh, go ahead behind your walls, build them up as high as you want. I'm going to drop high explosive shells in there and incinerate all of you. Please group up for me. That'll make it easier. It changes everything. War kicks off. Archduke is killed. You know the story. Germany launches their plan. And this is really, really where things go south for Germany. You see the Schlieffen plan again. I'm a defender. Looked great on paper. The world would have been fine, relatively fine. Britain would have been fine with Germany 
and France having another little European tussle. Okay, some inconvenience here, some annoyance there, fine. But really, in the end, if you're Britain, this works out fine for you. Fight it out, boys. We'll just keep making money. The world, and specifically Britain, gets decidedly less fine when you are Germany and you go stomping through Belgium like you own the place, stomping through there and issuing them orders on your way through. By the way, we're here now. We're walking through. Make sure you step aside. Oh, and don't you dare blow up any of the rail rail uh, lines or bridges or we are going to come down hard on you. Belgium's conduct in World War I at the beginning of it is so underrated. Possibly suicidal. I actually argue with myself over this, whether I like what they did or not. Possibly suicidal, but certainly admirable. Belgium had no chance, zero chance whatsoever. They were nothing. They were a pimple on the butt of the German armed forces. A lot of people say this German army is the greatest army in the history of mankind. I think it's insane to say anything's better than that Mongolian army we've talked about a thousand times, but be that as it may, it's a very, very, very good army, modern machine guns, artillery. They even use camouflage where other countries were still using bright colors. They were awesome. But Belgium stands up and says, no, actually, you're not coming through here. You're not allowed. And they start blowing up the bridges. And they start doing all the things Germany warned them not to do. So now you're Germany. And this is this is where I think they really screwed up. Now you're Germany. Now you have to figure out how you're going to handle that situation. Now, remember, you're in a hurry. The, the German plan, the Schlieffen plan, involved getting through the Belgium quickly. They just assumed Belgium was going to lay down. Even if Belgium did fight, they figured we'll tear through them quickly. Well, Belgium still has forts. Belgium's blowing up bridges. Belgium's making this take longer. Now you have to decide if you're Germany, how are you going to handle the Belgians? There's a way of thinking that, look, we already look bad. We're already here. We might as well try to sternly coerce them to come around to our way of thinking. And there's another way that says, let's be nice. They chose the wrong one. never completely ready to adopt a teen for late nights writing english papers for your teen's music taste for dinners where they talk more on their phone than with you for the first time they call you mom you're never completely ready to adopt a teen and you can't imagine the reward to learn more about adopting a teen visit adoptuskids.org brought to you by the u.s department of health and human services adopt us kids and the ad council
Part-time job, full-time hustle, all-time Shiro to all of us. You nurture, we listen. You teach, we thrive. You lift our spirits, but we've got to lay down the truth. It's time for you, our Shiro, to stretch for the stars. Start saving more for retirement now so you can feel prepared and live your life to the fullest. Get free tips to help boost your retirement savings now at aceyourretirement.org slash Shiro. A message brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Germany, well, they're German. <laughs> they're, I look, full disclosure, because I relate to that more cold way, possibly even let's just call it more brutal way of thinking. Germany, they're not going to be nice. They're very stern, even their language. Ah, da. Ah. It's, even their language sounds stern. Germany starts slapping the Belgians around a lot. Even accusations. Some say they were blown way out of proportion, and I'm sure they were. Accusations of war crime, assaults against women, children. Sure, some of those were true. Overall, there's not a ton of evidence that they were very true, but it didn't look good. That pretty much screws you. Hang on. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Now. Now that Germany's slapping around Belgium, and the Belgians, to their credit, make a real good show of it. We're not actually going to talk about everything that happened there, but they, they hold up well for a while. Eventually, though, the Belgians go back to their forts, which were considered to be modern. These forts were built in the 1890s. I mean, they were fine. That's modern. But when Germany starts dropping shells the size of cars on them, the forts don't last very much longer. But we need to pause for a moment, and I'll probably wrap this up because I <laughs> I got to stop doing this, Chris. I went way too long on this, but we need to talk about the difference between the German and the French leadership leading up to the first Battle of the Marne. There are a bunch of different commanders and things, but the German in charge is a man named von Molke. Or Von Mocha, depends on who you listen to. But Von Mocha is how I always said it. 
He is, well, there is another Von Mulkey, his uncle, who was a hero, a lion. I mean, a lot of people said he's the best European commander since Napoleon. Von Mulkey is not that. And now he's old, he's weak. During the course of this battle, he basically has a nervous breakdown where he'll go, I think it was two or three days without issuing orders. He just, the German command at the top with Von Mulkey was horrid. Frankly, may have cost Germany the war. And if we want to go to the other side, France, for all their deficiencies at this point in time, they're led by a man named Joseph Joff, or Joseph Joffrey, or Joseph Joffre. It's Joseph Joff, I believe. But Joseph Joff is a fascinating person, completely fascinating. He was all about the aggressive strategy, but as you'll see as we advance here, was smart enough and was able to swallow his pride enough to abandon that strategy when it didn't work. That's a very difficult thing for a general to do, which is say, whoa, 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 okay, bad, but whoa, got to change. What I said before was wrong. We need to change. That's very, very, very hard for any general to do. He was a huge person, tall and fat, at least looked fat. Well, that's hard to pull off too. When you're tall... You can carry a lot of extra weight without looking fat. I'm 6'8". I can put on 10 pounds and you would never know it. Maybe you'd see it in my face a little. Or lose 10 and you'd never know it. It's not some miracle. It's just distributed over a longer, you know, a longer body. When you're 5'5 and gain a pound, people look at you and say, my goodness, man, get in the gym. You'd never know if I gain a pound. So he's tall and fat. He is, this is, this guy, what a character. He hires a former Grand Prix driver to drive him around. And he is not one of these generals, and I love him for this, who likes to sit back in headquarters, that was Von Mulkey, and just sit back and issue orders and wait. Joff, he is all about checking in everywhere on the front lines, checking in with all of his commanders, supervising. And he has this Grand Prix driver buzzing him around the front line. How cool is that? And this, this may be my, this, that's my second favorite part about Joff. My first favorite is a man of that size. I believe his parents owned a winery, if I remember that right. A man of that size. He employs a professional chef for himself. And while he worked very hard, like I said, he's always bouncing around, worked very hard, would sit down every day, no matter what was going on, and have an excellent lunch prepared for him by his professional chef. <laughs> How great is that? And then as soon as he's done, get right back in your car and keep buzzing out. But I need I need a reset. Look, we're not going without lunch. All right. <laughs> I think that's so great. It's so great. And this, this is where France was saved. People do not realize how close France was to losing World War I in the early days. And really, in large part, it was because of Joseph Joff. He's also, remember Von Mulkey, 
who has essentially a, a nervous breakdown. And in Mulkey's defense, Von Mulkey's defense, he was in terrible health. He had a stroke just before the war. He was 70, I think 73. I know he was in his 70s. He's old, had a stroke. He's not doing well. But Joff, absurdly calm. I mean, completely unrattleable. You could not, you could not make the man nervous. And believe me, when we talk about the casualty numbers, like we're about to talk about numbers, like no country had ever seen in the history of war. And that certain period of time, it would be real easy for a general to panic. Joff cannot panic. And lastly, before we wrap this up for the day, don't worry, we're going to return. He was willing to fire people, lots and lots and lots of people, fired them all the time, fired them in mass. Joff was famous for, and I guess it was supposedly very nerve wracking, as you can imagine. You know how I said he'd check in with his various commanders, various generals. He would drive up to the command tent, walk in check out the maps, check out the status of everything, not say a word and turn around and get back in his car and take off. And oftentimes that actually meant he approved of what you were doing. Okay, well, we're fine. No adjustments needed here. I don't have time to talk to you. We're leaving. But so many of these generals that France had and Germany, every country at this time, as I said, warfare had changed. Everything was different now. They had so many generals who were peacetime generals and or so many generals who they simply couldn't adjust to the new way of doing things, to the new way of warfare. And Joff understood what so many great leaders of any kind in business, in war, in sports, in politics. He understood what so many understood. You must dump the dead weight that is working against the culture you're trying to put in or you will never, ever, ever succeed. Ever. Bill Parcells, the great famous football coach, was infamous for this. He would get into a new team. He was famous for turning around crappy teams. He would take teams that hadn't won in forever. Parcells gets in there, and in a year or two, they're playoff football teams. And one of his absolute philosophies was one-third of you are fired after the first year, period. One-third of you are gone. He's going to get in. He's going to find out who's with the program, who's not with the program. And if you're not with the program, you're gone. I have talked to 10,000 businessmen in my life because I admire them. I think it's awesome when people start businesses and they're successful. I just think that's the American story. I just always have thought that's really cool. My folks did it. I think that's just awesome. And to a man, they will tell you how important the culture is and how important it is to dump cancers early. No matter how talented they are, no matter what you think they bring to the table, get rid of them if not they're not on your program. Which brings us to where we are now. Hang on. 
You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. Oh, that's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, get 10% off. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Head in store and shop for all your favorite personal care essentials to earn four times rewards points. Shop for products from Olay, Always, Gillette, Vicks, and Crest. Plus check out new items like Mr. Clean Magic Eraser Ultra Thick Multi-Surface Cleaner. No more sponges or other cleaning products needed. And Head and Shoulders Bare Soothing Hydration Shampoo, a new kind of anti-dandruff shampoo with only nine ingredients. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. If you are an accredited investor, U.S. oil and gas should be part of your investment portfolio. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. Beyond the possibility to invest in a sector that historically delivers sound returns, when you invest with Labrador Energy, you may be able to structure your investment to offset active or passive income. According to many sources, U.S. oil and gas drilling remains one of the best tax-advantaged income investments available. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. You may be able to reduce your tax liability while investing in a sector that historically delivers sound returns. Learn more at LabradorEnergy.com today. Offer for accredited investors only. Past performance is no indication of future results. Investing involves risk. Consult your legal, tax, and financial advisors and read the prospectus before making any investment decisions. Visit LabradorEnergy.com for the prospectus and more information. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, it's your favorite throwback podcast hosts, Jessica Bennett and Susie Bannikaram, here to announce a new season of our show in retrospect, which means a whole new batch of episodes diving into the pop culture moments we love and love to pick apart. From the dethroning of the first black Miss America to the legacy of a lesbian joke from four Kaftan-loving Golden Girls. Listen to In Retrospect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.